the war in Israel, the synod at the Vatican, the statements from the Pope that have made ripples across the world, the closer you get to the eye of the storm, the more chaotic the winds. More on that next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallett from Countdown to the Kingdom, and I'm joined now by my colleague, Professor Daniel O'Connor from Albany, New York. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Mr. Mallett. Good to be here. But I've actually asked to be replaced by someone who knows a lot more what he's talking about oh, that's right. than I do. So can, better... we, can we bring in my replacement now? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> in here. Yeah, yeah. This is our Daniel is going to be replaced very shortly by my yes. grandson. This is my successor. <laughs> Hello. Folks, this is, I wanted to introduce, he just arrived here from uh, the next province. His name is Maximilian. Hi, Max. Hi, buddy. And Max, he's a, li- he's a little bit restless because he's been waiting to get on television and have his debut. But uh, Daniel, this is the miracle baby. Um, Many people will recall that our daughter Tiana could not conceive for five years, and we prayed, you know, hundreds of rosaries that God would bless her with a child because it was such a cross as her daughters and cousins were all having children. And all of a sudden, little Maximilian was conceived and born in February. And oh, yeah, this is the guy. He, want, he wants the mic. So you've been so patient. So anyway, we wanted to introduce him to you. And Praise we're going to let him go back Praise to mom. God. Okay, say goodbye to everybody. Doo-doo. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, but he's supposed to be replacing me. That, that soon, soon, though, soon. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that went well enough. Daniel, I think we're going to have to keep you on, <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, think, I think he does better, personally. But Yeah, yeah well, he has... He has uh, you have a little bit more hair than him, and I'll, I'll give that much mm, to you. Not, not for long. Not for maybe, long. Maybe not, not at this long. rate. <laughs> but it's, it's it's good to have you back on the show. I, we can't believe we were. Remember, we were talking about October convergence, and we were both stunned to find that that show was done in August, mm-hmm. and it feels like it was done three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. We had to hop on YouTube to figure out when we put that up, and I, I was also thinking it was it was practically yesterday, but yeah, the beginning of August, right? And, and talking yeah. about all these things coming together. Yeah. And now that we're halfway through October, things have been coming together. And the prophecies are being vindicated before our eyes. Oh, man, I tell you, uh, you know, we knew when we, we talked about October and we, we, we warned our viewers that these prophecies now running at five seers who spoke about uh, uh, October being a significant month. And even with that many seers saying it, I I still wasn't comfortable. I'm like, oh man, you know, like you come out and say this, and if nothing happens, people get really skeptical and they write off prophecy. And we do, we don't want that to happen because, you know, this is a gift that God's given to us, a prophecy to speak to the church. To it's His continuing voice to us um, through chosen souls, and particularly through His mother. And uh, there's no question now. Uh, we're recording this October 18th. And it feels like we've almost lived an entire year of events with everything unfolding, as we said, the war in Israel, uh, the synod now in Rome, and, and the controversies that are coming out of there. Um, we're hearing from Cardinal Zen and others. And then, of course, you have papal statements on blessing homosexual unions uh, and other things that we're going to talk about in the show. 
Um, but we, we called this show Chaos into the Storm. And the reason for that is that the closer one gets to the eye of the storm, and you know, we'll bring up that um, bring up that graphic of ours that we we uh, I, I think I can bring it up of uh, that you see on Countdown to the Kingdom of the seals of Revelation, and how as the seals are broken, you get closer and closer to a dramatic moment, the sixth seal which sounds an awful lot like the warning. We've talked about this in previous webcasts, so we won't, we won't repeat ourselves. But it sure is notable right now, the second seal and what is happening in the world with Israel, Daniel. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the seers have, have predicted something strikingly like what we're now seeing happening, even if you look at the very day before the month of October started. And... You know, Mark, as Mark was saying before, we don't want to do anything that would risk turning some people off to prophecy in general, because that would be contrary to Scripture. Scripture says, despise not prophesying. And the Catechism says the pro- that the charisms of the Holy Spirit, of which prophecy, private revelation is one, are to be accepted by the Church. You know, that's, that's kind of a mandate to accept it in general. That doesn't mean that any individual private revelation is a matter of Catholic faith. Of course not. But what it does mean is that it's very important that you don't take the approach that some in the you know, professional Catholic circles seem to take, just kind of cast aside the whole thing, says hogwash, as stuff for pious old ladies maybe, not for us professional Catholics who know better. No, this is something for the whole church. It's to be taken very seriously. Now, what, what does turn off some people, understandably, is when you try to turn a prophecy into like financial advice or travel advice or something, which is not the point of prophecy at all. The point of prophecy, as Cardinal Ratzinger said in his commentary, the message of Fatima is is to for living the will of God in the present. It's not for predicting the future necessarily. So, you know, some people they might have been expecting some sort of spectacular sign on October thirteenth, maybe because of an alleged uh, uh, prophecy to Father Oliveira. But as as our own translator warned us well before October, the maybe this thanks thanks be to God for Peter Bannister here <laughs> reminding us of things. He pointed out that that was in the singular. What Our Lady said to this uh, priest, this anonymous priest, Father Oliveira. So, yeah. we, I, I don't know who exactly was expecting that this would necessarily be this huge worldwide, worldwide sign on October 13th, but that's not what the message said. The you was specifically to Father, and we were told that Father did indeed receive his sign, and that this really is happening right now. That what, what the prophecies have been foretelling, it's happening. So, uh, for those yeah. suddenly writing off these prophecies, I don't understand that. It should be the opposite. If you look at yeah. what suddenly exploded into the world, something of a magnitude, of a prophetic magnitude that's difficult to overestimate or surpass, uh, happening right there in the Feast of Our Lady of Victory of all times, yeah. with this war in Israel, that's that's astounding. That's really something. And that's not to mention yeah. the even more apocalyptic things happening in the Church with the Synod. Yeah. And as was noted, and we put a footnote on on it, Countdown to the Kingdom, we didn't know whether this October 13th prediction was for him personally or for the whole world. But as our translator pointed out to us, uh, I think it was a week after the webcast, he said that that word you, I will give you a sign, was in the singular. So it was given to him in his language, I think, which was Spanish. So 
Um, and uh, again, we've heard that he had did receive a sign. He's discussing it with his spiritual director and so on, whether they're going to talk about it. Uh, regardless of his own personal sign, what he did say was in October of this year, a period of great tribulation will begin. There is no question in my mind, Dan, I think you'd have to be crazy to not to see that what's happening in the Middle East right now is on the verge of exploding across the world. We'll talk about that in a bit. What we didn't talk about on the previous show, though, Daniel, because it hadn't come out yet, we hadn't published it, uh, mm-hmm. was this message to Gisela Cardia on September 13th. And you just mentioned in the beginning of the show that a day before October, uh, this came out, and Our Lady said, my children pray regarding the warning that will soon come, which, as again, as we have said uh, on our webcast, the sixth seal sounds an awful lot like this warning where people are shaken, the, the world shakes, there's a great shaking, and people will see their souls as God sees it as a kind of warning to all of humanity, a chance as if it were for the prodigal sons and daughters to come home before the purification of the world that will result in an era of peace according to what the popes have been telling us, what the early church fathers talked about, which you can read about in Revelation 20, uh, symbolized by the thousand years, and of course what Our Lady has been saying in private revelation, many approved seers. Um, She goes on to say, though, My children, from the month of October onwards, events will be incredibly, increasingly forceful and will continue rapidly. A strong sign will shock the world, but you need to pray. Well, Daniel, I, we don't know uh, exactly what that strong sign would be. Um, <laughs> as I said in the previous webcast uh, that I had with our colleague Christine Watkins, the entire world has been shocked by the treatment of Hamas, of Israeli citizens, and equally shocked by Israel's flattening uh, of Gaza. And, uh, you know, here we, we take the side of humans. We Here on this show, we're taking the side of the families and the children of all those people in the Middle East. Um, what is happening there is just evil. No one's winning in this war. And now it's it's really threatening to spread across borders at this point. Yeah, and we, we have all of these fires throughout the world, and, and even Jesus even spoke about various fires to Louis, the servant of God, Luis Picaretta, emerging from the various parts of the world, and, and he also spoke of this third general turmoil, which I believe is a prophecy of World War III. But if you look now at the fire we've, of course, had for almost two years now, we're, we're a few months away from the two-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, which, of course, is we've spoken of before, being incredibly prophetic, with Russia over overrunning Europe, that being prophesied in, in a number of seers. And now we, of course, have the, the most prophetically significant place you can imagine with war, Israel being immersed in a war, the likes of which has not been seen in decades and will probably surpass even the wars that we saw in the 60s and the 40s. It's looking like it will. it's on the trajectory to very quickly surpass even those. We've got... Uh, the tensions only continuing to rise with China versus the U.S. and Taiwan. You know, what are they going to do with that? And then we've got various conflicts in Africa that have international repercussions. All of these, uh, all of these things that we've been warning of. You know, when we had our first slew of webcasts on the seals bef- in, in 2020, Russia hadn't even invaded Ukraine yet. And in the years since then, all of these different harbingers of World War Three 
they have not retreated in the least. We've seen every single indication marching forward and forward towards it. So, and I don't want it to happen. Please pray that this be mitigated and if possible, averted. The chastisements in general can't be averted, but they can be mitigated always through prayer, fasting, sacrifice. But it seems increasingly obvious that we're, if we look at the trajectory of all these different events, that, that how could they not precipitate a third world war, unfortunately? In the coming times, very soon, probably. Yeah, it it sure seems to be going along that way, and uh, I think what is, uh, for me, what is most, um, I I know how to put it. Um, you know, I have shared numerous times on this webcast what the Lord said to me in my heart. I think it was two thousand six, two thousand seven, somewhere in there that a great storm was coming upon the earth like a hurricane. And and then when I sat down to read the Bible about a week, it was that week or this two weeks later, I, I opened right to Revelation 6, and the Spirit spoke in my heart and said, this is the great storm. And as I read the seals breaking, starting with, you know, the seal number one, which we've talked about. I won't go into the interpretation of that, but one of the popes has spoken about that being possibly a reference to Jesus leading this purification of the world because he's going to bring about a victory. He's going to conquer and bring about a victory. A lot of people argue with that, and I say don't worry about it because this isn't a dogmatic thing. The church hasn't made any declaration on the interpretation of the book of Revelation. But the second seal... Why don't we just start there for a moment, uh, Daniel, because I, I just did a writing, and my, my readers would be familiar with what I just wrote on the Rwanda, and that warning that came out of Rwanda from Our Lady. And she said to the seers, now, people who weren't familiar with the genocide in Rwanda, 800,000 to a million people were killed in that genocide. And what happened was on a specific day, there was a call on the radio I think it, the call was to take cut down the trees, I believe. Cut down the tall, cut down the tall trees. Cut yeah. down the tall trees. And people literally took out machetes and began to slaughter their neighbors. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, it's so horrendous and unbelievable that it seems like something out of a horror movie. And But this happened. But what I want to point to is when Our Lady spoke to the seer, she said to them, that her warning of what was ha- going to happen in Rwanda is not directed to only one person, nor does it concern only the current times. She said it is directed to everyone in the entire world. Well, if you go to Revelation chapter uh, 6 and you read about the second seal, you read how this rider on a red horse comes and he's given a red sword to take peace away from the world and it says that people slaughtered one another. We saw that in Rwanda, and I think what we're starting to see now is the the possibility that this war will be declared as a a global jihad. Well, they've already done it. They've already declared a global jihad. Yeah. You know, Hamas, and, and this is, I you know, when when you look at just the demographics of how Islam ha- has infiltrated so much of the Western world, and you know, it's of course dominant in the Middle East and other places, but. Over the recent years, the amount it has infiltrated, Europe especially, but also the Western Hemisphere, for, and I don't at all, I, the last thing I want to do is to incite any animosity towards any group. Certainly not. That, that's not the answer here. But I just want to, igno- I also want to acknowledge reality here. 
that Islam has a, a fundamental aspect of jihad kind of built into it. And I say this as a professor of comparative religion, like I'm aware of the original text here. I teach them every year. And, and, and there's always going to be a certain fraction of Muslims. Most of them are, are, are good people, don't get me wrong. But there's always going to be a certain fraction of them that take that in such a way as a, as a call to violence. And, and if, we, if we pretend that isn't the case, we're just ignoring the facts that are right there for us to see. So what, what, we're, what we have primed now globally throughout the Western world is a situation where a, a global jihad could be called. And if there were ever a political geopolitical context for that to be called, it's in what we're seeing right now before our eyes in the news in the Israel-Gaza war. For Hamas, Hezbollah, and I think, I speculate, no, Hamas is evil, but they're not that stupid. They, they, they must have known that Israel would respond with overwhelming force to this. And I think they did that knowing that would happen. I think they did the initial incursion knowing that would happen, hoping it would draw Iran into the conflict. And Iran, of course, either has nukes or is about to have them. Israel also has nukes. This, I think, is the devil inciting them to cause the initial event to invite chaos into the whole world through a harbinger of nuclear war right. and a harbinger of global jihad. And in that article I did called Rwanda's Warning, you can you can read um, uh, it, that's at thenowword.com, and you can read about the the experts, uh, FBI, and other intelligence who've talked about this uh, exactly like Rwanda, Daniel, where you they're planning a what they call a ground zero day in which there will be terrorist attacks on schools, airports, and other buildings. And I mean, this is horrific, but I think this is what Our Lady's warning about. I mean, you know, I spoke to somebody whose son is in the military. He said there's sleeper cells in Georgia and other places. This has been talked about at high levels by politicians. You can read that in my article, Rwanda's Warning. I think there's a reason that our Blessed Mother has been weeping all over the world. And we have, a, we have an article on that at countdown to the kingdom called weeping all over the world icons and statues and as i scroll down here you can see that we've got links to statues and icons from all over the world from hawaii and the middle east and other places orthodox catholic and so on and i think she's weeping daniel because what is possibly coming is horrific and i i really don't want to say this because i don't want people to be scared watching this show but We've got to take mama serious, and the world hasn't taken God serious, and now we're in the mess that we're in. We've we kicked God out of our schools. Even my own sons here in Canada were told they couldn't even say grace during lunch over their lunch, sitting alone at their desk. You, you kick God out, and what takes his place is chaos. And the closer we get to the eye of the storm the closer, the more chaotic things are going to become, the closer we get to the warning. Uh, we've talked about this, Daniel, the more we're going to see things unfolding, one thing after another. And that's what Our Lady said to Gisela. So, the answer to all and, of this is we need to be people of prayer. Go ahead. Right. I'm sorry, I thought you were going to jump back. I guess we're kind of done with that message. But the, but I just before we move on from that, I just want to Reiterate what I mentioned earlier, that my goal is not at all to, to incite animosity against one group, because the, the whole Islam thing, that, that's one avenue for this violence breaking out throughout the world, but it's only one. We're also, in other battles, 
the devout Muslims are actually our allies. You know, for example, the woke stuff, they often stand against it just as zealously as Christians do. There was this great movement, there was this great thing in Canada I saw recently with all these Muslims standing against the woke indoctrination in the schools there. So we, we can't, the, the, the apocalypse cannot be navigated by joining the right political tribe. It can't be. You will not you will not survive the times ahead by choosing the right point on the political spectrum. So just forget about that. You won't even navigate the times ahead by choosing the right liturgical or Catholic subculture. The only thing that's going to get you through the times ahead is our Lord Jesus Christ and absolute trust and faith in him. Every, everyone else will fail you, I, including me. So you have to put your trust in him alone and in his blessed mother alone. You have to stick with the true magisterium, the sacred scripture, the true magisterium, which we'll get into soon. You can't assume that these fallible men that, that, that you've hitherto subscribes you as your oracle you know they'll, they'll fail you in the time ahead so You're, even donald trump he yeah he might just fail you <laughs> yeah we did a webcast but, on donald trump and yeah, people were mad at us so for angry. What, exactly what you oh you, you see you said him and then your camera did the thing he's watching this he hacked into our video <laughs> he turned off your camera no but there is <laughs> Whenever you're in confusion, <laughs> you stick with what is clearer. And Mark is confusing right now because of his colors. <laughs> it looks like an LGBT pride flag. You got. Yeah, so you stick with Daniel. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> I, my camera just but, died. I can't. I'm done. I, I can't. Hey, get I, could, I could go on for hours about this, Mark. So you keep working on your camera. And I'll just... <laughs> And that's the thing. So not a Trump. He's not going to save you. The 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 even the being a rad trad Catholic is not going to save. Being red pilled is not going to save you. Only Jesus Christ. So stay close to him. Stay close to the Blessed Mother. And I say that in respect to the the Islam thing because you know I'm I'm as red pilled as like I I understand the dangers here as much as anyone does. Trust me, as I said before. You know what I do is is my job. Um, yeah. But I also see the other side. Some of the best conversations I've ever had with students were with my devout Muslim students who they sincerely seek the truth. And I, and like I had one who came to my office hours like every day. It was, it was, he'd follow me to my car and ask me the philosophy questions and he'd still be asking me them as I drove home. Wonderful. But it's like, and, and I think I've had, I've heard, I've heard so many of my supposedly devout Christian students take the name of our Lord in vain. I've never once heard one of my devout Muslim students take the name of Jesus Christ in vain. Because although they unfortunately don't realize he's God, they at least realize he's a prophet, and they would never take the name of prophet in vain. Right. So we've got to be very careful to not oversimplify the, the, the battle lines today. It's, it's God versus Satan. That's what it is. And you've got to be on God's side. And Satan, he's got his inlets almost everywhere today. We almost want to everywhere. We wanted to point out to you that, uh, you know, when we talk about chaos coming toward the storm, I'm convinced, brother, that these things that are happening in the world, these seven seals that are unfolding, the six seals, at least the last six, which is war, the next seal is some sort of um, economic collapse, actually hyperinflation. If you read it, um, St. John sees in his vision that only a day's wage only buys like a quart of wheat. And if you look at what's happening right now in the Middle East with the second seal, I believe we may be seeing that second seal definitively now opening. 
And what is the next seal but its hyperinflation? Oil prices already are beginning to surge uh, amid um, uh, the uh, the Middle East uncertainty. I mean, everything you can imagine is hitting kind of all yeah. at once right now. Yeah, it's it's absolutely remarkable. Like I said earlier, it's I don't even have the words for it because this vision, this interior word rather that the Lord gave me, I'm just seeing it unfold before us. Uh, so. The second seal is war. The third seal is hyperinflation, which leads to economic collapse. And then the fourth seal, it speaks about sword, famine, and plague. Well, we've, we've, we're seeing the United Nations, the World Health Organization, warning us that there's a famine coming, there's a sh- sh- uh, food shortage coming. They're speaking about new viruses that are coming. They're warning us about bird flu and Marburg virus and so on. Again, I believe that all of these things are man-made to create chaos. It was Pope Leo XIII who spoke about chaos. Now, he didn't use the word chaos. He said that there is basically at this time, evil was combining together and under the strongly organized and widespread association called the Freemasons. And he said, they're no longer making any secret of their purposes. They're now boldly rising up against God himself and their purpose is to overthrow that whole religious and political order of the world which the Christian teaching has produced and the substitution of a new state of things in accordance with their ideas. Now, This is nothing other than what is being called today the Great Reset. Another part of that slogan is, let's build back better. And so, really what what they're doing is they're tearing everything down in order to build back better, and they're calling it the Great Reset. And so... Um, you know, some people might accuse me and say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. But you, you, if you really look at what's going on and who's behind all of this, and then the fact that they're making these statements and they're, they're funding the World Economic Forum, funding the World Organiza- Health Organization, all of these things come into view. Uh, and their own words. King Charles saying, We need nothing short of a paradigm shift. One that inspires action at revolutionary levels and pace. And everyone's going, wait a minute. I thought we were just stopping a virus. And yeah, they, but it, they can scarcely conceal their ravenous excitement for, for what, this, what this opportunity that it provides. Yeah. They're, they're not trying to prevent a problem. They're seeing, I mean, they're not trying to stop a problem. They're not trying to solve it. What they're seeing is in the problem a opportunity for their order from chaos. Yeah. They have to create the chaos. Why? So that we can beg for a solution from it. And the catechism actually warned us against this. It says that the deception of the Antichrist, and I'll paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me, but he, it said that it will be a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. And it didn't even say apostasy from God. You know, that'll eventually be required. But at first, it might just be a lie against human nature, against creation. Mm -hmm. But some sort of apostasy from the truth. But in order for mankind collectively to clamor for that solution, we have to be in a state of destitution. And we have to be in a state of, of feeling like we need it. And we'll only be in that state if some sort of calamity has been created to, uh, to, spread such misery and suffering globally that almost everyone is begging, begging for anything to deliver them from this. And I think that we will see that 
that destitution that the new world order folk, the global, the new, the great reset folk want. And I think we'll see that coming to a head in the coming month, possibly even if not the coming years, certainly, but coming months, possibly. Yeah. I, well, as I mentioned, we, we, we're posting on mewe.com at the now word signs. Uh, uh, my, my assistant researcher, Wayne LaBelle and I, we, we often say to one another, can you believe the headlines we just posted today, and then we'll say the same thing over the next day, and then the next day. Mm-hmm. It is so much is happening, and that's what uh, Our Lady said to Gisela. She said things will come rapid pace. The Lord Jesus said this to Jennifer, an American seer that we are discerning as well, that um, things will come like train boxcars one after another, and this is happening. <laughs> Daniel just used the phrase, uh, we were speaking of Pope Leo XIII, and he spoke and warned about the Freemasons. Their motto is what Daniel just said, ordo ab chaos, or chaos. I attempted to say. Yeah. Yeah. Order out of chaos. That's their goal, is to bring order out of chaos. So, they create the problem, and then they come and give us the solution, and we're seeing this. I, I was stunned, to be honest, when I would see, you know, these lockdowns happening, and then our politicians after the lockdowns would look and go, "Oh dear, our supply chains are broken, and businesses have gone out of business." <laughs> Who could have guessed? Who could have thought that would happen? <laughs> we need to fix this. Uh, I mean, I'm being sarcastic. It is pathetic, and, but a lot of people yeah. don't see it unless they're really mm. watching. The fifth seal, uh, and we're going to talk about this now, is persecution. Um, The souls underneath the altar cry out in St. John's vision, how much longer? And the Lord replies to them, he says, just a little bit longer. And they were given ropes to wear. And it it, it speaks of a persecution that seems to break out in, uh, I call it a minor persecution because I really believe the the Antichrist persecution is the major persecution. But St. John foresaw in the middle of this chaos some kind of, of martyrdom happening, some sort of persecution. And, you know, when we're talking about Islam, and that's what we were talking about earlier, and their global jihad, um, that doesn't include Christianity in the vision of these jihadists. And, of course, not every Muslim subscribes to jihad. There's what you would call moderate Muslims who just want to live at peace like everybody else. Um, but the doctrines in Islam really do call for a global jihad, for a caliphate, for an a, a Islamic authority to rule over the world. And they are waiting for their Mahdi, their Messiah, to come and rule over the, the world. The Jews are waiting for the Messiah, um, who is Jesus, the, whom they don't recognize yet, but they will. And uh, and then other religions as well. The New Age even has their expectations. Mm-hmm. The point is this, um, is that there's a, there's a global jihad coming, and the more we see the Vatican starting to drift into this wokeism that you just talked about, Daniel, as being something that the Muslims now, they, they were, they were marching in the streets through the U.S., through Canada, and they were rejecting gender ideology, rejecting these things. At the same time, we were watching with the Vatican and with the Pope, confusion coming out from our Holy Father, um, suggesting that he would bless same-sex unions. Now, we talked about uh, this, uh, Christine and I, in the, in the previous show, but we haven't talked about it, Daniel, uh, I don't think at any extent in that show, about the confusion that's continuing to come out 
even after the Pope answered the dubia of the five cardinals, mm. in which they asked specifically, they said, Are, is the church able to bless same-sex unions? And the answer, to be honest, resulted in more confusion. And we know that because yeah. the, the headlines that came out of, <laughs> across the whole world uh, and, and other things the Pope has done, we'll talk about them in a moment here, just, it just shows that there's so much confusion happening out of the Vatican. There is an unbelievably simple answer to the question of whether homosexuality, the inclination, homosexual unions, or so-called marriages can be blessed. And the answer is no in every situation, in every context, no matter what, period, end of discussion. The answer is no. The scripture is clear, magisterium is clear, sacred tradition is clear, the saints are clear. Even the CDF made it clear as recently as two years ago. So uh, at this point, anyone who dares... Any priest who dares to take the Pope's response to the dubia as an opportunity to say yes because of his context, because of the, because of the needs of the people coming to him, that's just you saying yes to the devil. The de- this is the great apostasy that's beginning right now. And of course it's beginning in the church. It has yeah. to. That's what all the prophecies have said. Rome will lose the faith. Right. Now, I'm not becoming a set of a cantist. I never will. This is, I'm, this is not about the actual, wh- why have all the prophecies for so many years been warning us to stick with the true magisterium? Right. They, they would not issue that qualification if it were not for the fact that a shadow magisterium would arise in these days. That would seem to be the magisterium to the, to the, you know, the flippant mm-hmm. observer, but in fact is not. It's just the Pope giving his personal opinions. So that distinction few people want to make. And yet, that's the key distinction for navigating this, these times of the great apostasy, which I think the Synod is giving the context for. And that Synod, again, starts this month, and it proceeds until October of 2024. So, we're in it. We're in this, great, this context for the great apostasy, I think, for the next year. Now, you just mentioned the true magisterium, and we hear that often in the messages to Gisela uh, Cardia, Pedro Regis, especially from Brazil, Our Lady, speaking about adhering and defending and obeying the true magisterium. And it's not just the false church. I think it's also with our Holy Father. We're, we're hearing him say things that aren't part of the magisterium, and yet he's, he's, he's got a lot of opinions about economics and climate change, for instance. And, uh, you know, we, we, we see, for instance... Uh, this new document he came up with called, uh, what is it again? Laudat? I'm, Laudate Deum? Is that the new one? Yeah. Yep, Laudate Deum. Laudate Deum. And in this document, the Holy Father um, is, is a follow-up from his previous document, Laudato Si. And in that document, the Pope was quite explicit when it came to climate change. He said, uh, the Church does not presume to settle scientific questions or to replace politics. But now, in and this the, is the old. This is the old one. Just to clarify. Oh, yeah. So you have the old one on the screen right there. This is yeah. 2015. He's yeah. saying the Church does not presume to settle scientific questions. Now, what do we have here? Suddenly, in 2023. 2023, yeah. suddenly he's saying, despite all attempts to deny, conceal, gloss over, or relativize bit. the issue, the signs of climate change are here he says, and are frequently and increasingly evident. And then he goes on to say that it's no longer possible to doubt the human anthropic origin of climate change. And then he goes on to talk about this, and he's citing all kinds of science. 
And in the, to the point where the CBC News, which is a very liberal news media outlet in Canada, it's the state media, they said that this document was unusual for a papal exhortation and read more like a UN scientific report. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it did. Because the, the Holy wow. Father then, disregarding his previous advice suddenly began to declare climate change and global warming as a, as a fact, when in fact now we know in recent news we've got over 1,600 climatologists, meteorologists, and climate researchers coming out and saying, sorry, there isn't a climate emergency. And that number of those is growing as they sign on to this new declaration mm-hmm. stating there's no climate emergency. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, mankind has become more sinful than ever before in history, including even before the flood. And as a natural consequence of that, as you know, Jesus talks about this to the servant of God, Luis Figueretta, constantly. It, it's, this, it's this inbuilt feature of nature that the elements themselves rebel against mankind when mankind becomes sinful. It's got nothing to do with CO2. It's got nothing to do with global warming or climate change. It's just part of the fabric of the universe. The things that cannot sin namely everything but man, they rebel against man when man becomes so sinful as he is today. So that's what we're seeing. And, you know, ironically, and that just, this just occurred to me today, you, you could look at that very phrase from Laudato Deum and say, you know, you, know, Fran, you know, Pope Francis, that's actually true. It's just not for the reason that you have in mind. We cannot deny the anthropic. What is what does it say there? Can you? I don't know if you can put that in the screen again. But because and I, I I admit here, back in 2015, I read Let Out to Sea. I read the whole thing very carefully, and it was a great document. Actually, I thought, I you know, because we do need to care for creation. It's very important. But but Let Out to Sea back in 2015, it did not say that that global warming was was definitely happening and human caused. It was it was very different in tone. And I haven't read this one yet. But now I see here that it is no longer possible to doubt the human dash anthropic that is you know man-centered origin of climate change you know you could say that that's true in the sense that it's because we have become so sinful that the very elements themselves are rebelling against us so maybe maybe we could go so far as to say that pope francis is a prophet here against his own will against his own well, better judgment. Yeah, and the the whole the whole point of bringing this up folks is really just to say it, it's there's a there's a massive dispute and you know one of the things you hear you see it on a Facebook banner for instance is that uh 90% of scientists uh, agree on anthropogenic climate change. Uh, when in fact uh, Heartland Institute just did a study and basically in their published survey they said that top of the top level climate scientists they, they surveyed 41% do not believe in catastrophic climate change. In fact, only 0.3% of science papers state that humans are the cause of climate change. And when surveyed, only 18% of scientists believe that a large amount or all of additional climate change could be averted. Now, I, I don't want to go into great depth on this document tonight, but I, I've been researching climate change for years, and my readers know this, because it is part of the great deception that is happening 
and coming. It's part of the whole Great Reset. It's one of the pillars, COVID-19 and also climate change, that are bringing in a system, what I call communism in a green hat, to redistribute wealth, to control people, your movement, to monitor what you can buy and sell based on your carbon footprint, based on your vaccine status, and all these things. And to see the Holy Father now embracing and pushing this, and I, I tell you, I did read the whole document, Daniel, and I went through and made notes, and there is so much in it that's disputable. In fact, one of the most disappointing aspects of this what he wrote is he highly footnotes and cites the International Governmental Panel on Climate Change. And the IPCC is 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 lambasted by climatologists around the world for fraudulent data, um, for, for missing data, for um, bad predictions. They're a political body, not a scientific body. And this is who the Pope is leaning on. So, Again, it's just this is an example where there's so much chaos, right? So much confusion happening. And we see the Pope stepping out of his lane, in a sense. That, as Cardinal Pell said before he passed away, the Church has no mandate to pronounce on science. But as you read in the CBC, even the CBC, and I read it elsewhere too, people are stunned that the Pope was making these scientific declarations and stating the science. And, you know, when Pope John Paul II did this back when the ozone layer crisis Pope John Paul II was actually kind of wrong about it too, and they started to realize the hole in the ozone layer was actually maybe more due to just to natural causes. So yeah. this is it was kind of why the church thing. needs to step back. Yeah, right. This is this is not the you know, the church. The purview of the church is not settling the empirical data here, deciding what is correlation and what is causation. It is the salvation of souls. It's salvation and of souls. It's amazing how, how little. The institutional church, and I'm not referring to the true magisterium here, of course, it's amazing how little the institutional church seems to care today about the salvation of souls. Mm. And Jesus talked to the servant of God, Louis Picaret, about this also. He talked about all the clergy who look at the at a soul being lost as if it were nothing. And yet all of their interests, they have all these political interests and cultural interests and, and whatnot. And that's, that's really what we're seeing in the Vatican today. Priests, bishops, cardinals, and, and, and God help us, even too often, the Pope himself, caring about the worldly bagatelle, and, and a soul treading the path of perdition is just not a big deal. And that's the mandate of the Church, the salvation yeah. and sanctification of souls. And, and we and, see that perhaps no yeah. more clearly than here, as you see on your screen. Yeah, it, there's so much confusion. This is another thing in the news this week. And, and again, we're, we're, we're not here in this webcast to be uh, – um, i got to try and see if I can get that frame better. We're not trying to be the – again, as I call the official opposition of the Holy Father, but the, this is part of the trial, these kinds of headlines in which – uh, the Jerome commentary came out, and in this commentary, which has a Neil Obstat and an imprimatur, as well as a forward from the Pope, it basically tries to say that the passages in Scripture that deal with homosexuality and sodomy are no longer applicable today. It was a cultural context, and that's changed. And, uh, Daniel, that's a fundamental uh, d- uh, departure from sacred tradition, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is this stuff like this is just shocking. And again, you go back to this is why the cardinals have reissued questions on the dubia because the pope didn't give a yes or no, he didn't answer them. And headlines like this and things that are happening like this are just 
heaping right. up the, the trials, really, for the faithful right. who feel abandoned by yeah. their shepherds. Yeah, we, we, those who have been holding out decade after, year after year, decade after decade, for the truth, for the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the Bible, the truth <laughs> yeah. of the church, suddenly, you know, being abandoned by the one who's supposed to be our shepherd. And, and, and you know, I don't want to at all, my, my goal here is not to just take the side of the, those who will just, no matter what, oppose Pope Francis and everything he, he says and does. You know, I, as we discussed earlier, you're not yeah. going to find safety in the times ahead by choosing any subculture. Certainly not that, you know, there's, there's because the whole subculture has arisen, the rad trad, the anti-Pope Francis subculture. That's, that's not going to save you. Jesus Christ will save you. And if you think you're okay, just because you oppose everything Pope Francis says, or you, you stick with all the right rad trad commentators, you're going to fall just as hard as anyone. But if you stick with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. it's very simple. It's love, charity, and truth, always both. And there's always, there, there's, you know, I, I can't find a major movement today who isn't just clamoring for one instead of the other. And I, I see in the Vatican in general, and unfortunately even for Pope Francis, I see all the love and no truth, or the supposed love, because without truth it's not love at all. And then, but I see too much from his opposition, it's just all truth and no love. And, and I'll absolutely, I'll absolutely agree with Pope Francis when he says we have to be, we have to show the people that we love them. You know, we, this, you can't just say, love the sinner, hate the sin, and then pretend that's enough. You got to live that out. You really yeah. do. You have to live that out until it hurts. You got to love until it hurts. And let me just say this with absolute clarity. It is better to be remembered for your love than to be remembered for your orthodoxy. Jesus said, it is by your love they will know you. There is no other way they will know you. They will not know you for your truth because any, you know, any, any yeah. debater can feign the truth. They will not know you for, your, for the strength of your arguments. They'll know you for your love. So you really need to love those who have strayed as far as, as you can imagine. I, I know more than just as much as anyone how we must love the homosexuals and those who have strayed in the greatest ways possible. And that sometimes that love yeah. has to even go to the point where it seems to be scandalous. I'm 100% with you, Daniel. I think people need to understand that the, the Holy Father is trying to reach these groups. Same with, you know, you look at what's happening in the Holy Land right now, and you look back to what the Holy Father was doing in with Islam and Jews, trying to call them toward peace and fraternity. Right. Um. I, that's not a bad thing. And if you read about St. Paul, St. Paul was also saying, you know, live peacefully under your king and try and be peaceful with everyone. Um, that follows in the gospel. But, you know, again, from this papacy, we're always getting confused signals because mm -hmm. you also get a message that, that almost seems to be um, syncretism and religious indifferentism. And again, this brings out in the Catholic Church that element you you, you call rad trads, right? People just say, "Well, the Pope, he's evil," you know. And I'm, I'm dealing with these people still too. And you know, God, we got to love them too. We have to love LGBT, and we have to love heterosexuals who are struggling with pornography. And I got to look in the mirror and love myself because I'm a sinner. I love everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not optional. <laughs> we really do have to love everyone. They can't just be words. It's so easy to say it, but we got to mean it. And it's well, got to be difficult. 
we're at the end of our, our time here. And um, I love, I think we'll just end on that note that Daniel said, they will know you are my disciples, Jesus said, by your love for one another. Love and truth go together. God is love, and Jesus said, I am the truth. So it's always, always together. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another, and that is expressed in truth. And we hope we've shared some of that with you tonight. So thank you for watching, and thank you, Daniel, for joining me again. Great to be here. Hope we do another one again very soon. Yeah, let's hope. Pray for us, and we're praying for you. God bless you. Good night. God bless.